Welcome, my friends, to Scry Me a River, the MTG Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. I'm Dennis. And keep them guessing, Riley. You thought it was yep. going to be an MTG Advice Podcast. Guess what? Not we today! Zagged. We Sucker. zagged. We zagged when you have zigged. We are not here to answer. We're not here to solve your problems. We're not here to answer your questions. Well, we're here to solve one specific problem. What's the one specific problem we're solving this week, Dennis? We are giving unsolicited card design feedback, which is something I don't think Wizards usually get when, around preview season. No, usually usually no one offers any kind of feedback, positive or negative, to anything that uh, any of the any of the offerings that Wizards serves up. So we're actually going to brave... We're trailblazing here, Dennis. We're mavericks. Mm-hmm. Do you know what we're going to do? We're going to do something that's never been done before. We're going to look at these cards, right, mm-hmm. before anyone's had the chance to play with them, and we're going to offer our thoughts and feelings, right, from gameplay, flavor, perspective, all sorts. You know, just a well-rounded sort of evaluation gonna, of these cards. I would say it is almost like we're going to do a review of the set. Almost like a review of set. Yeah. Yeah. A review of set. A review of set. Something that no podcast has ever done ever before. No. And certainly not a magic podcast. Um, before we get too deep on this joke, I do want to say this is not going to be a set review I, I do not feel qualified to tell you whether cards are good or not, but I'll Alrighty, tell you what. People, people already noticed the episode isn't four hours long, so it's not a set review. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you this as well, right? I might not be qualified to tell you if these cards are good or not, but uh, with, you know, 15 years of playing D&D, I can tell you if they're good D&D cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can tell you if they're they're well executed on these, uh, on, on the D&D. I love it so far, dude, honestly. like there, 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 there are some whiffs. We'll talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. But so far, um, it's been great. Do you want to do all the boring sponsorship stuff? And then, Before I mean, we sorry. Get there. Do you want to do all the very important and exciting mm. sponsorship stuff that we keep, uh, you know, that keeps, exactly. keeps the lights on around Smart HQ? Before we get any further out of this episode of Scrum River, as always, brought to you by Magic Legends, the hottest oh ARPG out there. Oh, my with goodness. Months left for you to play it. Single digit months, unfortunately. Good night, sweet prince. Taken to- from us. Too soon, too too soon. Not really. I liked it. Hey, can I can I tell you a story? I had someone come into my stream. Oh, I think, I think, you told I, this I think I've told you this, but I'm going to tell it on air. Uh, said come, someone came into the stream, and it was like it, it was after they'd announced the like how they were gutting pro play, mm-hmm. and uh, they're like, "Yeah, such a shame what happened to pro play." I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know, yeah, I kind of I, I think a lot of people, you know, sort of saw it coming. It's like just it's 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 what happened, and and they were like, "Yeah, it's such a shame that Magic Legends failed," and I'm like, "What?" And and they go. Oh, well, you know why they gutted ProPlay? I'm like, why? And this is, this is in Twitch chat. This person goes, it's because they spent all their money on Magic Legends and then that failed and now they don't have any money left. I'm like, <laughs> you think that Wizards gutted ProPlay to prop up the failing Magic Legends brand? And he's like, 100%, man. I read the Finchel reports of Wizards every week. Did they say Finchel? The Finchel. Not the financial reports. The Finchel pro- The secret the Finchel, Finchel reports. The secret they Finchel looked at reports. it and they were like- they were like, huh, this is weird. Magic Legends lost us, like, exactly $750,000. Yeah. Where are we going to find that money? And they look over. <laughs> <laughs> and they see, like, you know, Battle of the Bands contests. Yeah. First place, $750,000. Yeah. Posted directly under that. Cut pro play support. <laughs> first place, $750,000 from Worlds. Um. So... To everyone who is complaining about the loss of pro magic play, maybe you should have played. Maybe you should have gone and bought in-game items from Magic Legends, and then we yeah. wouldn't be in this situation. You should have made some better Finchel decisions. Yeah, you should have made better Finchel decisions and supported the the the, the Finchel success of Magic Legends. I just speaking I, like, of Finchel success, Riley, go on. You can get your hands if you're all excited about Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Take mm. your to take your fifty foot rope and go go a spelunking. Head to shamfob.com. Get yourself a crate. Get yourself a box. Get yourself. What? Sorry. What? Hang on. I just want to put you up real quick here, Dennis. I know that CP like recently relocated, right? Like the mm-hmm. headquarters have moved. Yep. Are they in a cave now? No, but like dungeons are kind of like caves. So CFB is working out of a dungeon? You do what you got to do, man. Times are tough. COVID you said get a rope and spelunk your way to channelfiber.com. Is it now in the cave system? No, I, I just meant because you'll cave be system? Spel- you spelunk in D&D a lot. So... The CFB warehouse is just like it's on the surface of the earth, like a normal shop, right? Like it's like a normal premises. This is like one of those things where if you have to ask, it's suspicious. If I even answer, so I'm not going to dignify. That's it that's answer. it. I'm kind of well. Now I'm worried. Like now Come I'm worried visit that all, our normal above ground store. Now I'm worried that all the warehouse staff are like you know having to pop on their uh, you know their 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 harnesses, their uh, their mining hats. I we have joked about this kind of marketing before. The like hyper neg- hyper um 
attack marketing where like yeah. let's let imagine like we put out a campaign at Channel Fireball, mm. Channel Fireball that was all all packaging now 100% of asbestos free and you'd be like yes Who, whose isn't whose Why, isn't asbestos wh- was free it, was it not before or <laughs> saying is, it's now asbestos free was it not before or is TCG players or Star City Games yeah. or Car Kingdoms secretly not as full of asbestos yeah this is the ma- the Mad Men it's toasted mm. yeah so weird I need to watch I like more that. Mad Men man Buy your rust-proof cars from ChannelFireball.com today. Oh, I, I better know, not dude, buy I, them. I, I better not buy them anywhere else. I don't want them to rust. You say that, but it's going to be posted. One of the one of the front of his cars just peeled off. So I do not want to make any promises about anything okay, like yeah. that. Yeah, you don't you don't promise they're rust-proof in case. Well, rust-proof packaging, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, there you Cardboard, go. Cardboard, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's still rust-proof. It's rust-proof. All right. Easy head to on handle. Over, head on over to ChannelFireball.com. Buy your slabs of rust-proof gaming pieces using code SMART. I'm sure there are some gaming pieces that are going to rust there. I'm sure there's like metal dice and stuff that you sell. Better be careful with that. Mm. Oh, also, a quick plug for something that's going up on Channel Fireball that is that may be of some use to you as well. Um, you reminded me talking about gaming pieces. I've been asked to write an article by your friend, or a series of articles by your friend of mine, James Keating, the editor of Channel Fireball. Um, uh, a series of articles helping people transition from MTGA to paper. Yes. First article went up. Second article will probably up by the time this episode comes up. Uh, and if you're the sort of player who has been looking for, like, w- wanting to play in paper, wanting to play it in LGS, but never was too afraid to ask the questions, how it works, what to do, what you need, all that sort of stuff, how, you know, what, what an actual F&M looks like, you're in luck because uh, check this article series out. I'm, I, I, I make a lot, I do a lot of articles for CFB and, you know, a lot of them are kind of silly and just designed to, like, put a smile on your face, maybe entertain you a little bit while you're, you know, on the toilet or whatever. But um, this one's pretty good. I'm, I'm I'm actually quite proud yeah, of actually, this. Is this your magnum opus? It's not what, my magnum opus. What piece of content have you created that you're most proud of, and why is it Dog in the School? It is probably a song I wrote called Dog in the School. Is it actually probably Dog in the School? It might be. A, it might be a song that I wrote many years ago called Dog in the School. But second to that would probably this is going to be right, an, uh, two questions. Go, go on. One, how close are you to a guitar? And three, could you regale us with Dog in the School? I couldn't do Dog. In, I couldn't do it justice. I, I could, you know what? You can splice re- it in. If I remember, I'll put Dog in the School at the end of the episode. Ooh, I like so that. So there's, there's the challenge. If I remember, I'll put Dog in the School at the end of the episode. So Dog um, in the School, for those of you who don't know, is a song Riley wrote about the near, like, <laughs> near threat level red, like, emergency status that occurs as a child when there is a dog in the playground at school. Like, when a dog comes to school, that's, it's such an event. This is something, of course, that, I mean, I don't have to tell you. I pilfered off of Hamish and Andy. This is something that, like, they talked about it extensively. I'm like, this would make it. So I wrote a little song. It's not long. It's like 15 seconds long. But it's a, it's a, a story about, it's a song about the, the, the energy that would come with a dog being in the school. Anyway, that's probably the best piece of content I've ever created. Second to that, I, I would, and this is like, I'm sorry, this isn't a funny answer, but it's probably the episode of Half House History about Georg Elsa. I'm very, very proud of that one. Now, so. Half House History is on Spotify as a podcast, correct? Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Are there any other things you've made that are on Spotify? I mean, there's GP Vegas History Draft. There's GP Vegas History Draft. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest song ever written. Oh, uh, no, no. Dog in the School is the greatest song ever written. Thank you very I much. I know, man. Rakdos and Celestia. Oh, man. It's a bop, dude. It's not bad. I, I, did, uh, I did waste a, a real, a real uh, catchy tune on, a, on an ad for GP Vegas. Anyway, Dennis, have we done the ad? That's enough of an ad, right? That's enough of an ad. Sure Channelfiber.com, coupon code night at checkout. You love to see it. Um, have you been getting your coupon code SmartThings money? Have you nope. been getting that? You haven't? No. no. Have you been sending it? Oh, what happened? I don't know. It's fine. I just don't know. I mean, I, it all, you know, money comes in, money goes out. You can't explain that. Well, the going out part is the part I'm concerned about. <laughs> well, look, I don't know. Anyway, look, we got to, we don't have time to talk about it, Dennis. We've got to move on. We've got to move on. Um, so what Dennis and I have mm-hmm. done here is we've scanned the list of pre- previewed cards so far. We're recording this on the 30th. So there may be some cards that have come out that we haven't seen yet by the time you listen to this episode. Um, oh, including mine on Saturday. Yeah, this episode will be up tomorrow. Most I know, but I need to write a song. Write it live on air right now. I can't do dog in the. I've got with dog in the school hanging over my head now. I'm, I don't know if I'm in the right. I can't space. believe it. And you come to a river. <laughs> you come to a river today. All right, Dennis and I have gone through the list. We found some cards we want to talk about. 
it's going to be pretty pretty freewheeling. We're not really here to talk about how good they are and constructed or whatever. No. Or that, that'll come into it. Mainly, to, it's going to be from a D and D perspective. Dennis and I have played D and D for years and years and years, as I'm sure many people have listened to this podcast. And so it's just our perspective on on how these cards stack up in that sense. Like, are what? How do they go in terms of representing the 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 world, the culture, the 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 I don't know, just the whole deal. Of, uh, of of both Dungeons and Dragons. You, you want to kick us off, Dennis? With, this was a yeah. card that, uh, that... As much as Xanathar has his guide to everything, this is going to be Stranyak and Knight's guide to about 14 cards from Adventures yes. yeah. of Gotten Four Realms as it, is, as it has been spoiled so far. Yeah, exactly right. This card... So we were looking through this, right? And we're picking out cards we like. And then I named this card. And it's funny. That was the point at which Dennis went, yeah, I, I think I'm going to buy a box of this. Yep. So... So, Wizards of the Coast, here's a very important data point. This card is what made Dennis, you know... You can, a, a, sail, you can contribute at least one sail directly to 50 feet of rope. To 50 feet of rope. Apparently, it was 50 feet of rope that got Dennis across the line. He's like, yep, I need... Just this innocuous uncommon, that was the one that made Dennis go, I need to buy a box of this. So, 50 feet of rope, one mana artifact with three activated abilities. And what do you think of the fact that they've got the, like, little flavor... Because for those of you who haven't seen them, they've got mm. like um, so for all the modal cards, they've given them like little flavor type names. They don't I, even or, rules I usually meaning. don't like that. Like when it's well, like fateful hour or something. I like it, but they haven't done it ever really, like in a, a consistent sense. So I don't. I think it looks weird on a card. I can't. I quite like it. I think. I think it's cool. It's like the, these are the different abilities. These abilities of a card. You know, you have like bag of holding, and it's like tap to discard, and then tap to do whatever. Whereas this one has like. Climb over. I'm going to activate the climb over ability. Tap it. Target wall can't block this turn. I'm going to activate tie up. Three and tap it. Target creature doesn't untap during its next uh, untap step. Or four and tap it for repel down. Venture into the dungeon. We'll talk about dungeons in a little bit. But 50 feet of rope is great because it is something that is in every adventurous pack. Everybody has. Everyone has 50 feet of rope, man. For your problem solving rope. Mm-hmm. And this very much like leans into that versatility. Yeah. It's great. And, and this card, I'm a big fan of. It's just, it's, it's great. And this is what you do. With, well, I would. What do you? What would you use rope to do the most in D and D, Dennis? Because in my experience, it's tie things up, not close. No, it's climb out of things. They just jump, man. They just like I'll roll a twenty <laughs> eventually. I'll might break some bones I'll, on the way. I'll try jump over and over again until yeah. I not twenty and jump twenty feet in the air. <laughs> exactly. Um. Do you know one? I know. I know this probably isn't going to be in the set, but I wish it was. Do you know what my absolute most useful? Because there's rope is obviously very high up there, land and that sort of stuff. But my number one, if you can, if you go to a D and D like merchant shop, right in game, the one item that you always should have chalk. Why do you want chalk? So helps with climbing, obviously. Gives you, I mean, if you're a reasonable DM, you'll give them advantage on a climbing check if they got chalk, right? Because that's what rock mountain climbers do, right? Um, you can use it to write stuff down. Find right? your way out of a maze, I guess. Especially when you're exploring. Exactly, write stuff down. You can do. You can leave messages for people in case the party gets split up. Or Dark like Souls that. style. You can crush it up and blow into someone's eyes. Pocket, right? pocket chalk, yeah. Pocket chalk. And also, if anything is hidden or invisible, right, it'll reveal that. Right, if there's someone invisible in the room, or there's like a trap it's like or throwing a wire flower at something, yeah, okay. throwing flowers at something as well. And on top of that. There's another use that I was just thinking of that I've already forgotten. What was it, man? How have I already forgotten it? Outlining some sort of goblin murder scene? Yeah, you can do that. Of course, you can do impromptu forensic investigation. What was the other one? Crunch it up, throw it in someone's eyes, invisible. Oh, um, you can lay it around to see if you're being followed. You can, like, put chalk dust on the ground and then footsteps all appear in it. Sure, okay. Like, you can go back and see it. And if anyone has walked through it, they've disturbed the chalk dust on the ground. That's pretty good. It's honestly an amazing... It's like one copper piece. Make sure you get chalk. It's not going to be in this set, unfortunately. But I do like the fact that 50 feet of rope, it captures that, like, yeah, as you say, the ubiquity, the versatility. I think this card's fantastic. I'm trying to think what would be... I'm trying to think of other D&D mechanics that have not been put on cards. Mm. Like a sneak attack card. I mean, sneak mm. attack's already obviously a magic card, so you have to name something else. Yeah. But because you get a sneak attack if they're within... F- if they're within like 15 feet of another enemy, right? 
Mm. They're like distracted. Like a fl- I think you can get like a flanking bonus or something on them like that. No, no, no. you can get a sneak attack as a rogue if they're engaged with somebody else. If they're, if they're, is it not? Fl- oh, so see, I'm so I used to, I played so much three point five. Gotta always, get over it, was, it, man. I know that's times. it. It's it's not flanking. Yeah, if if they're engaged with someone, like I think it's if if they're within five feet of someone else or something, they're distracted. I think you get a sneak attack. I yeah. don't really know, man. Yeah, yeah. So I always rely on the rogue to tell me when they have sneak attack or not. You don't need advantage on the attack roll if another enemy of the target is within five feet of it. Yes, so right. If, okay. So, in this case, it would be destroy a creature that is double blocked. Oh, that's very good. Right? Yeah, yeah. If, well, no, not destroy. Deal well, X, deal, deal, deal X eight damage. damage to, yeah, 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 something like that. Exactly, yeah. Sneak attack. Yeah, I like that. That's very good. We should be card designers, dude. We you should crushed be card it. It's this yeah. easy. All right. Spe- uh, speaking on, right? I got some angry feedback about this next one. You yeah, ready? yeah, yeah. We should be card designers, and we would have done a better job with Tasha's hideous laughter. So, do you want to read us what Tasha's hideous laughter currently does, Riley? Before I give them my revision, what, as you furiously go to the D twenty SRD to find out what it does. Uh, no, no, no one, I mean the card. I want to because I, I want to read what the actual spell I know, but, offers. Yeah, that's, I, could, I could hear the typing. One, one yeah. blue, blue sorcery. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they uh, that player has exiled uh, cards with total total mana value twenty or more. So, Riley. I saw this card, mm. and when I see when I saw the name, I was like, "Oh, I know what this card should do. This makes perfect sense." Mm-hmm. And then I saw it costs one blue, blue, and I was like, "Perfect!" Yeah, because Tasha's hideous laughter, a creature of your choice that you can see within range, perceives everything as hilariously funny and falls to fits of laughter if this spell affects it. Basically, they get they they, they you know are incapacitated by hilarious yeah. defense. This basically stunned. Yeah, and the and the and the art has like this like weird worm dragon thing. I actually know what this is. It's so like half upside down. Yeah, it's like a dragon with a lot of legs. I don't know what's going on there. But it's cackling and like rolling around. Yeah. This is a, should be a one blue blue enchantment. Target creature is tapped. Does not untap. This should just claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. Yep. Should be or encrust or whatever. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, the milling part of it is really weird. And I'm sure there is another spell that would have done that. Well, milling is generally magic supposed to be to like losing your mind. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it's that. But that's not what Tasha's Hideous Laughter does. No. No, it's not, Riley. It incapacitates you through laughter. It costs one blue-blue. It's an enchantment. It makes them fall over and giggle. Yeah. They don't it, untap because they're it, too busy laughing at They're the too busy joke. just laughing at everything, right? Yeah. From yeah. whatever the opera, from strikeout to home run, Riley, this next one you were a big fan of. So Tasha's Hideous Laughter, we're, we're given that. Like about like pretty much an F, I think, really, when it comes to ex- executing on a spell. Only because it was so close. This one? Oh my goodness me, dude! Wish S plus. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Do you know why I love it so much? Because a wish is already a thing in magic, right? A wish is you know there's cunning wish. Go get something from your sideboard. Yeah. Other wishes as well. Glittering wish. I'm trying to think of the other. What is it? Worldly wish. What's the one that gets creatures? No, that's Worldly uh, Tutor. Anyway, totally whatever. Sorry, yeah. Right? Wishes get stuff from your sideboard. So right. that's, an, that's an established magic thing. In D&D, Wish is like one of the most powerful spells you can cast. Which it probably is the most powerful spell you can cast, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what, close enough to... That's, be, that's because the last line of Wish says, or whatever the DM says you can do. Exactly, so. right? Like, it's very open-ended. But they have managed to just, like, they've managed to take a, a D&D trope Combine it with a magic trope, and they and it both makes sense. It says you make uh, you may play a card you own from uh, outside the game this turn, right? So it makes sense. It's red. It's got that impulsive draw. You can play it this turn, right? And you can go and get any card because it's called wish. It's not cunning wish. It's not any of the other. I'm going to look up other wishes because I really should know the names of these wishes. I really should know the name of more than two wishes, right? It's not like burning wish or cunning wish or or whatever, right? It's not glittering wish. It's not living wish. That's what I was looking for. It's anything. You can wish for anything, but you got to play it that turn. The wish is fulfilled then and there, and that's it, right? My only gripe about this is that yeah. it is not as powerful as wish is in D&D. But it can be because you can wish for any- – it's not – no, no. It is, Dennis. That's what's so good about it. It's not the wish itself that is powerful. It's what you wish for. One of these 15 things? Yeah, sure. You can get it. Oh, I wish to – I wish for the secret of eternal life. And you go and get, I don't know, some life gain card that gives you 10 million life or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I wish for 
uh, I wish to bring something back from. I wish to bring my, my best friend back from the dead. You go and get an unbar. You go and get you know uh, unbarrow rights. Yeah, unbarrow rights. Well, unbarrow rights is a little bit of a um like monkey's paw solution. I suppose. To so. come back. But yeah, right. yeah, I wish for like the I, I I in my in my time of desperate need, I wish for some benevolent benevolent protector to come and save me. And you go and get some angel or something, right? Okay. It's so good. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. If I had to criticize something, it is the fact that. The art for it is like a, a lady playing the guitar and playing a doing a little performance. I think. Like, why isn't it some powerful wizard doing a norm, like a very big display of pa- casting a ninth level spell? Like that would be, you know, she's pretty chilled out. She's just casting, a, <laughs> playing a bit of a, you know, playing Wonderwall in front of a fire. I'm not sure about that, but this this absolutely just my wish is to hear wonderwall one more time i can't believe how like this is just the perfect ex- execution of a card because it it plays both sides it plays both tropes perfectly right established dnd trope established magic trope brought, to, brought together for one night only in this incredible card 10 out of 10 all right my what next up we have a, a kind of a cycle or just like uh, a design choice yeah it's not really a cycle because they're in all sorts of different colors they do different things but yeah like a design thing the the you Side, the the, the, DM, the the DM narration side. There cards. we go. There we go. You come yeah. to a river. You find the the villain's lair and all this yeah. stuff. Which you hear are, something on watch. Yeah, these are yeah. modal cards, which kind of reflect that you come to a river. For example, what do you do? So what it says choose one, fight the current, and this is the little flavor text slugs that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Return target on land permanent to his hand, or find a crossing target gets plus one plus one on the turn and can't be blocked this turn because it gets across the river. I love it. It's really good. Most of them are really good. Some of them are kind of a little hokey. It's like, okay, all right. Like, this is... I, I'm not so into this one, but most of them I, I, I really like. The, like, there was the... What's the counterspell one? You find the villain's plans. No, what is it? You find the villain's lair. Uh, one blue, blue, instant. You can either counter target spell for this game or draw two cards, discard two cards, learn their secrets. Pretty good card, like a, a counter mm-hmm. with upside. But, like, is that what you're doing when you find the villain's lair? Yeah, because the villain's not there. But look how chilled out they are in this art. Yeah, that's true. Like, they're just like, oh, it looks like they've come to a library. I mean, that's what the villain's lair is. The the greatest villain of all, the librarian. There's that, there's that dragonborn in the back, like, keeping watch. Yeah. I, I, it, it, look, very minor gripe. I'm just not sold on this. I'm not sold on it. It's cool. It's a cool idea. The You Come to a River, I, I like a lot more. But do you, know the, do you know the biggest problem with this? Huh. This is very unrealistic when it comes to what actual D&D is like, right? All right. You've got your group. You've got your, your party members. Ah, you come to a river. What do you do? Ah, what are our options? Well, you can. Oh, it's D&D. You can do anything, right? And this card kind of presents this ridiculous narrative. And, and it ruins my experience of the card as well. Logical and measured player characters. That the, play, the PCs are going to be like, right, here are two options. We can find the current. We can fight the current or find a crossing. It's like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to shoot down birds until we have enough feathers. <laughs> a dam made of bird corpses. That we will, that we, all these feathers, we can weave them together into a raft. And then once we have the raft, we can ensorcelate it with some kind of magic. It's like, no, just, there's a bridge just down there, man, but you've got to fight the troll or you take a, a, a skill check to cross. It's, it's not that, ah, you know, you hear something on watch. No, do you activate the traps or do you raise the rest of the party? Now, what I'm going to do, okay, do I still have that half-eaten troll hand that I cut off the troll from three sessions? Yes, that's still in your back. Okay, I'm going to get that out. I'm going to take the fingernails. Okay, okay, they've already attacked you. Roll initiative. Like, Roll, yeah. this doesn't happen in D&D. No one is ever just fighting the current or finding a crossing. They're always doing the most convoluted, ridiculous thing they can to, to cross a river. And without ever asking how wide the river is, and you're like five feet, and they're like, oh, okay, I jump. I did this. <laughs> I, 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 this was rather vindictive. I mean, one time I was damning, right? And I was playing with people who were just so, like, I, I guess it's my fault because I taught them to be really suspicious, but they were so suspicious of everything. It's like, oh, you come to a door and they're like, mm, okay, oh, is it trapped? Oh, if, what if there's like someone, the, the enemy must be on this other side, probably with a, re- okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do We're going to try to figure out, hang on, how can we get past this? And they, they went through this whole big thing as to how to like get past this door, right? And like, okay, get your lock picks. So the row gets out, lock picks the door. I'm like, mm, you, you, um, you, you don't, you don't unlock it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try again. Like, is it? Is there any magic? And detect? Oh, can't you don't detect any magic? Oh, it must be really powerful magic. It must have an incredible lock. I can't unlock it, right? And then after about five, ten minutes, one of them's like, I try to open the door. I'm like, it opens. Wasn't locked. 
And the rogue's like, I tried to unlock it. I couldn't unlock it. He's like, yeah, it wasn't locked. You can't unlock, you can't you unlock can't an unlocked unlock, door. Lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were so cross with me, dude. But that's the sort of nonsense. That's the sort of nonsense that's happened in D&D. I can't remember where this was that I was, uh, I heard like a, a tip for player characters in D&D, which is mm. you come across the door, knock. Nah. Why would you do that? Yeah. You mean knock with your foot as you kick it open? No, no. Just and I don't. wait for somebody to come open it. I don't, I don't think that, that sounds completely ridiculous to me. Why would you, you ever do that? You knock it with the heel of your boot, you mean? Yeah. No, no. You knock it. No. You just If you're going to knock, you knock with a strength check that is applied. Or you applied. knock with fireball cast at second level. That's exactly. You knock with uh, your your great axe, you know. Um, these next two dentists, they 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 got they really got both of us. They, this is some this is great execution of a cla- another classic mm-hmm. D&D trope. You want to talk to us about these ones? So we got Ochre Jelly, first of all, which mm-hmm. is the sort of the splitty, slidey underdoors Alex Mack goop of yep. the D&D world. Mm-hmm. Which has divide. It's a X screen for an XX. Mm, pardon me, XX yeah. XX guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was plus one special counters. And when it dies, if it had two, if it had, if it had two or more plus one special counters on it, you create a token that's copied at the beginning of the end step. That token enters the battlefield with half of those plus one counters rounded down. So if you make a four four, when you kill it, it becomes a two two. When you kill that, it becomes a one one. Uh, it doesn't become a one one, but yes. Oh, because it's rounded down. Sure. It 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 would no 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 no. It just it only it only splits once. The new token doesn't get the the divide ability. Why? Oh, it does. Sorry, I'm wrong. Yeah. It does. I thought. It, sorry, I misread. So I misread the card. I thought it said create a token, like create an ooze token. But no, no create, cause it's a copy. Create of it. a copy. No, one hundred percent. Sorry, you're right. You're right. You're right. But so, but you are right in that it won't go to one because if it dies at two, it'll just die. No. Oh if no! It goes it won't. To two. It'll, it'll go to one. Go to one. Yeah, 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 it'll okay, go to one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you if you make like an eight eight, it'll become a four four. It'll become a four four, then a two two, then a one one. Yeah, etc. Et yeah. Um, no, sorry, I take that back. I, I didn't read the card properly. So good. It's really good. Yeah. So good. Just just like I was going to say, just like in real life, not just like in real life as it turns out, but just like in D and D. Because Riley, I have the the compendium for ochre jelly here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Reactions split when a jelly that is medium or larger. Is subjected to la- lightning or slashing damage. Really weird that it's only those two kinds of damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it splits into two new jellies. It has at least 10 hit points. Each new jelly has hit points equal to half the original jellies. Round it down. So I guess this should actually split into two copies, not just that one. Would, I thought that would be a nightmare, though. But that would be... I think that would just be too good. Yeah. And here's why. Good. Every time you kill an, uh, an ochre jelly, every time you split it in D&D, it gets smaller, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what's going to happen if this split into into a new like multiple copies every time? Oh. It would just it would just get bigger because people would proliferate to be like yeah. plus some candles on all your creatures, right? So it's like, oh no, you killed my ooze. I've now got two two twos. All right, I'll proliferate. I'll, prol- I'll, I'll kill them again and then I'll proliferate and then I'll proliferate again and then kill mm-hmm. them all and then mm-hmm. proliferate again. Like it, it would be proliferate is one of my favorite magic mechanics, man. Yeah, especially when you're playing a stupid commander deck that has all those different counters. Exactly. Yeah, man. Plus one, plus two all counters. Right. I'll add a minus one, plus two counter this. I'll add a, like, get out of town. My biggest regret is that I can't put Frankenstein's monster in that. Um, the other one that I really like, Gelatinous Cube. Mm-hmm. Four mana, four, three, right? And when it enters the battlefield, exile target non-ooze creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. Already, Hunter, yeah. already very strong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and a four, three as well? Like Ravenous Chupacabra is a four mana two two that kills something. This is a four mana so that, four three that that's engulf the first half, right? But it's the second half that really gets you there. Uh, black and an X, put target creature card uh, with mana value X exiled with gelatinous cube into its owner's graveyard. Now I only have one gripe here. Go on, because these these abilities are called engulf and dissolve. Okay, I would rather if the second ability was called digest. <laughs> is that what it's called in? Oh, it might be called Dissolve, actually. It I might just be called that. Dissolve. Like, that's that's my experience of it. But yeah, so Gelatinous Cube, for those of you who never played D&D, this is just what it does. You attack it, it slurps you into it, right? And then it will attempt to, it'll deal damage to you while you're, like, inside the cube until you die. It just, in D&D, it just has Engulf, which is still called Engulf, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And then it yeah. just, I mean, it'll just kill you eventually. It just does damage to you while you're inside it. Yeah, so I, I, it's just, it's so... Oh... And it's perfect. If you kill the cube while your adventure is still in, inside it, in like alive, right? They go, bleh, they come out oh, uh, uh, and they're still alive. They're fine, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, it's such a good, it's such good execution. And it's, I think it's a good card too. It's a red card. I think it's an actual good card. Yeah. But Do you think it's a constructed playable card? 
I think, I mean, potentially, it depends. It depends what the format looks like. But like in any mid range deck that in any like aggressive mid range deck, maybe even is it playing? Is it getting played in an aggressive deck? No, I don't think so. It's too expensive to be played in an aggressive deck. But it's just like normally effects like this. Normally the fiend hunters and stuff like fiend hunters are one three. You know, it's a four three, dude. This hits so hard. And it can kill stuff permanently as well with a little bit of extra mana put into it. A little bit of dissolving. It's just, I mean, these two oozes, and they're classic, classic. T- Do you know what my favorite thing about the ooze? Hmm. When you play with new players, right, they know, oh, goblins, warriors, you know, bandits, that sort of stuff. They expect danger, right? New players don't know how scary oozes are. If you have an experienced D&D player and you're like, oh, there's a weird slime. Everyone step back. Don't go near it, right? But- one time uh, with, with a group that I played with recently, right, I just put an ooze in front of a door and they're like, all right, okay, that's kind of weird. I poke it with my weapon. They're like, you poke it. like I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. What's the, I'm just going to walk into it. I don't care what happens. So it was like that. And they just, <laughs> just have the flesh flayed from their bones because they don't know that, like, you know, black puddings and gelatinous cubes and ochre jellies are so dangerous in D&D. It's great. What's the challenge rating on an ochre jelly? The black pudding is the bad one, right? Oh, geez, I can't remember, actually. Like, yeah, I think the black pudding is the bad one. Yeah, challenge four. Okajoda challenge two. But what I'm saying is they don't expect it to be that bad. Or that oh, you know, like this doesn't, and, and they all have split. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're like obviously challenge rating at two isn't that high. It's just that you know if you if if you put a a band in front of them bristling with swords and axes, right? They'd be like, all right, we got to be careful because a fight's coming, right? Mm-hmm. If you put a lump of ooze in a dungeon room, they'd be like, all right. I mean, okay, I'm not scared of that. You should be. You should be, mate, because it's going to engulf you and it's going to dissolve you. So I'm just that, like, you, you like, win this for you're like, oh, God, that was close. And then it just goes, and then yeah. there's two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. You want to talk about these ones, Dennis. I have to say, I don't have much experience with either of these spells. My my campaigns tend not to have too many spellcasters. I don't think I've ever mm. played a full session, a full game with a wizard or a sorcerer. What? I played a campaign once where everybody was a spellcaster, and I've, I was like, you encounter a bandit, and he, one by one, punches you all to death. Yeah. Like, And it was like, oh, magic missile, oh, no, oh. I saw a, a clip of Brennan Lee Mulligan, I think you might like this, he's the guy mm-hmm. who does all the stuff for um, Dimension 20, yep. talking about how people who do only combat XP mm-hmm. are doing it wrong. I don't know, what's your take on that? I use milestone leveling. The same. Yeah. So milestone uh, leveling, for those of you who don't know, instead of like gaining XP points as you play D anD D, you basically only level up when you s- complete a certain quest. Like, yeah, you you'll you will have a a campaign laid out, and it's like when they beat this person, or when, when they, they beat the yeti, or when they, when get, they rescue the hostages, when yeah. they return this item, then they get to level six, like that sort of thing. It's way it's so much better. He talks about how people who do only combat XP that those worlds don't make sense because if mm-hmm. that's the case, every wizard school is welcome to wizard school. Children, put away your books. Today we're going to go slaughter goblins. Yeah, exactly. It's the only way to learn. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this but next yeah, spell, I don't have a lot of experience with either of these spells. So tell us about them. So first is one of the scariest spells in the entire goddamn game, mm-hmm. which is Power World ki- Power Word Kill. Nine. It's a ninth level spell. Let me get the text of it for you. Um, Wait, what? It's a ninth level spell? Oh, yeah, ninth level enchantment. I can see why you have an issue with this then. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ninth level enchantment that says, you utter a word of power that can, from it's Bard, Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard. You utter a word of power that can compel one creature you can see within range, and the range is 60 feet, to die instantly. No saving throws, they're just dead. Right. If the creature you choose has 100 hit points or fewer, it dies, otherwise it doesn't do anything. Wow, so very, very black and white. Yeah, if if the and 100 hit points still is... Uh, is very high. Yeah, to give you an idea, the average human has 10. Yes. And the average level one adventurer has like 12. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So like, what are we talking here? What has 100 hit points? Like like a fifth level or paladin or something? Like no. Something bop, bop. No, absolutely not. No, no. Maybe try 10th level, dude. God, really? Is it that high? Well, you only get 1d10. Okay. Like, I guess that's true. You get yeah. an average of about eight hit points a level. So like... Yeah, that's really like level 10 or 11. Yeah, this yeah. will kill basically anything in this, to be honest. Yeah, though. like this thing, this will kill big big stuff the reason I don't like this now is because this is one to black destroy target non-angel non-demon non-devil non-dragon creature why would it not kill them now the, I have a theory okay what what let me let me see how much does an, how much how many hit points does an angel have that's what I want to look yeah. up because it's not I, I would I would guess it's not a hundred uh it might be though is it I'm trying to find a, a 
they're not in the monster manual, are they? No, no, it's hard to find here. Um, hang on, let me go and get my monster manual. I'll be back in a second. Entertain the viewers. I have one actually, like not too far from here. Right, is actually going to get a physical monster manual. This is premium. Oh wow, an angel, a planet angel apparently has two hundred hit points. That's pretty crazy. What is a planet angel? I don't even know what that is. Now he's come back with full monster manual in hand. All right, I, I found with my, with my deluxe monster manual. I found a planetar angel, two hundred hit points. Uh, is that the only like? Okay, uh, here I, I happen to open it on demon, so I'm going to check what how much a demon has because they are not affected by this. Yep, they're not affected by it. The average demon has to only have like sixty or seventy hit points. Baylor has two hundred sixty. Uh, Dretch has eighteen, so it's dead. A Balgura has sixty-eight. A Kazmi has eighty-four. This is where's not the, looking good. Where's the classic demon? Like a classic. I'm just not. I'm not looking for a Marilith or a Hezru. I'm looking for a like a rock. A rock has 104. Shadow demon. Yeah, shadow demon. 66. That's dead. Yeah, a lot of okay. It's they're they're bouncing. They're bouncing across. I mean, a Nalfeshni has 184. A Marilith all, has all, all the dragons have to have north of 100 HP. Surely. Well, it depends their age. Like young dragons wouldn't. Even then, like, dragons are still big, like... Yeah, but, I mean, it's power word kill, dude. Like... Yeah. Wait, is Angel seriously not in the monster manual? It's no. not. Okay, well, never mind. All right. Um, And, I mean, yeah, a dragon... A dragon is it's 100% going to depend on its age. I mean, Like, a wormling has, like, 30, 40 hit points, whereas an adult has, like, 200. A dragon hatchling, though, how much does that have? That's Ancient Blue Dragon, four hundred and eighty-one. Oof, <laughs> no chance. Okay, well, a Wormling has fifty-two, whereas a, a Young Blue Dragon has one hundred and fifty-two. So, oh, okay, this, this smells bullshit, man. No, it, I think it's actually fine. I think it's actually fine. The majority of demons have more than one hundred hit points. Majority of dragons have one hundred more than one hundred fifty hit points. One hundred hit points. I think it's actually okay. I've come. I around. mean, I think if you want to go with that. Mm. Have it be destroyed that creature with toughness six or less. That's a better execution of the spell. Because yeah. how? why can this kill... Why can't this kill, like... Because Power World Kill can kill plenty of those demons and dragons. Yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't be able to kill uh, a... <laughs> I, I'm going through the monster manual trying to find a monster that has more than 100 points opened on Kuo Tua. It could kill one of them. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, it can kill a giant. Most giants have more than 100 points. Yep. I mean... Actually, in fact, all of them do. A hill giant, the weakest kind of giant, has 105. So, well, we'll get to this in a second, right? But do you know what else it can kill? Go on. A Tarask. What? No, no. Oh, sorry. In D and D, magic card. Yeah, the magic card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it costs a little bit more to do it, but yes, it can. I thought you meant it could kill a Tarask in D and D. Like, Dennis, I don't think you know what a Tarask does. Um, yeah, I think they could have executed on that better. Yeah, kill. Don't love it. Destroy target creature with power five or with toughness five or less or something like that. So the other spell I want to talk about, which is something that you've not had experiences with, which is very, very fun. Yes. Yeah. What's the deal with this card? It's got, it's it's portable hole. It's very similar to bag of holding. Okay. I'm going to look it up. Go on. It's a magical item. Mm-hmm. I have the, I'll read you the entry right here. <clears throat> oh, great. Go ahead. This fine black cloth, soft as silk, is folded up to the dimensions of a handkerchief. It unfolds into a circular sheet of six feet in diameter. It's just a big chunk of fabric. Okay. You can use an action to unfold a portable hole and place it against or on a solid surface, whereupon the portable hole creates an extra-dimensional hole ten feet deep. The cylindrical space within the hole exists on a different plane, and it, so it can't be used to create, open, to create passages. Any creature inside an open portable hole can exit the hole by climbing out of it. You can use an action to close a portable hole by taking hold of the edges of the cloth and folding it up. Folding the cloth closes the hole, and any creatures or objects within remain in the extra-dimensional space. No matter what's in it, the hole weighs next to nothing. If the hole is folded up, a creature within the hole's extra-dimensional space can use an action to make a strength check, and they can force their way out. If they succeed, a breathing creature within a closed portable hole can only survive for 10 minutes, after which time it begins to suffocate. It's horrifying, this card. This, this, it's this spell. It's a spell. Oh, it's an, it's item. A spell. It's it's an, an item. item. Sorry, an item, item, item. I thought it was a spell. Yeah, I've never come across one of these. All my time playing D&D, I've never come across one of these. And it's being used as like an oblivion ring. And here's another thing, Riley. Placing a portable hole inside a bag of holding. Yeah. 
So opening an extra dimensional space inside an extra dimensional pocket dimension. Yeah. Instantly destroys both items and opens a portal to the astral plane. <laughs> you just tear reality apart. Any creature within 10 feet of the gate is sucked through it and deposited in a random location on the astral plane. The gate then closes. It's one way only and can't be reopened. So if you ever need to get the astral plane in a big hurry. Yeah, yeah. Hang on one second. You can put a portable hole inside a portable hole yeah. in magic. Yes, yes, you can. You can use a portable hole to exile a portable hole. Which should, in theory, make you basically planeswalk, I think. Yeah, it should dump, it should dump you into a... Into Astral a, plane is, bl- is to the blind eternities, right? All of a sudden you start playing flesh and blood instead of magic. Yeah. You're <laughs> That's wild. I've never come across this. Do you know my first thing? I, I guess the, the execution of this card is like, oh, it's a prison. You can put things... You can put an unwilling person in the portable hole, right? Mm-hmm. When I first thought that, I was like, well, all people are going to do there is use it like they're going to get the the bard or the guy with the disguise and, and, and charisma, right? Put the entire party inside the portable hole, walk into like the back of a bank or something. And ten let minutes them all- at a time. Yeah. Now, it's only, ten foot, it's only a 10-foot hole. That's big. You could fit a lot of people. That's like an three elevator. Three people maybe in there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, three people. One Four person, person party, yeah. One person taking the thing into where they shouldn't be and then going to let them all out. That's 100% what would happen. No, no, no. Riley, here's a better idea. Go on. You don't use the bard to sneak him in. You put the party, all the party, in the in the portable hole, mm. except for one. Okay. And you get the ranger to tie it to an arrow. Oh, jeez. Fire it over the wall. It lands, unfolds, Trojan <laughs> hole. A Trojan hull, dude. An archery-based Trojan hull. That's so funny. You know that meme that's like, um, I receive, you receive? Yes, like trade the, the trade offer, yeah. I saw a really good one of those I think I appreciate mm-hmm. it, which is, um, you receive this great wooden horse. I receive nothing. Don't worry about it. Yeah, very strong. Very, very good indeed. All right, portable hull. I have to look into that because that, uh, that seems like- it's a fun- of- it, it, That's a problem-solving item. I was going to say, it seems like the sort of nonsense item that you could have a lot of fun with, yeah. Anyway- You could fill, um, it, you could fill it with water. Let's talk about- the dungeons. Yes. How, where do you land on them? I like the like go through the go through the dungeon, pick mm-hmm. a door, navigate things, yada yada. I don't like that they're just cards you can just have. <laughs> it's really weird. It's strange, but I think it's fine. Um, there was a post on Reddit because people are saying, "Oh, it's parasitic. It's terrible." It's actually not a par- parasitic mechanic, right? Someone made a great point on Reddit uh, for the first time ever, saying <laughs> that. Stop These presses. cards are actually not as parasitic as you think because all, all all you need is a dungeon and that's it. But all of the ven- all of the venture cards, right? They may interact with dungeons, sure, but the dungeon is basically just like a weird modal thing, right? Like yep. any venture card, what it says is when uh, enters the battlefield, scry one, or each player loses one life, or you gain one life, right? Mm. When this enters the battlefield, choose one. Blah, 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 right? And then those modes change depending on how far you went. And it's just a way to pack a lot of text onto a card separately in a way that's kind of flavorful. And also, none of them are that yeah. strong. Like, I don't think no. they're done. Like, none of them are that good. I think it's great. I like the dungeon mechanic. I like the little cards that you get, like, that you can move stuff through. Um, you've played the... I think we've both played the the Lost Mine of Fandel, but like I think everyone's played that one. That's, that's like, probably, that's like I was about to say that's D and D one That means uh, a very different thing. <laughs> I think it's probably the most played adventure in, in all of D and D. I would say. I would think a, so. Yeah. From a pure numbers perspective, I think more people have played the Lost Mine of Fandel than any other um, adventure. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but that is, I think, given the po- the popularity of D and D and the fact that the overwhelming majority of people who p- pick up D and D today are going to play that as their first adventure. It's probably the most played adventure. Would be my guess. Where but does it come? It doesn't it come? Is, it, is that the one that comes in the in the in the DMG or something? Something like that, yeah. Or it comes in like the starter pack or something. I don't, I don't know, but it, no, I think you can just download it for free. As you well. can't. Oh, well, I think you'll find you can download it for fourteen ninety nine. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Okay, I got it as part. The first time I played it was when I was playtesting D and D next. I'm pretty sure it was with that right, and that I'm was. I'm on D and D Beyond dot com right now. Fourteen ninety nine. I think it was given out for free for people who are playtesting D and D. Next, I think it does come. I think it comes with the intro pack, which is which is a DMG, a player's handbook, and I think this. Yeah, and like dice and stuff, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And some character sheets. I don't know. Anyway, um, so everyone's played through that. I have DM'd the Tomb of Annihilation. No, I haven't. Tomb of Horrors. Forget it. Never mind. Very, very different. Tomb of Horrors, much worse. What is that? The, the, what is it? Is that the unbeatable one? Uh, that's the one where like there are about fifteen different ways that the PCs can just die. 
without even meaning to, right? Yeah, Tomb Raider is the one where it's like, you, and it's got a bunch of instant kill traps in it. Instant kill traps all over the place. Like the, at the at the end, I shouldn't spoil. I'm gonna. This is a very minor spoiler, but I'll just give you an idea of what's in it. At the end of the first corridor, there is like a gargoyle head or like a weird stone head with its mouth open, right? And it's like you know, its mouth is like black or whatever. You can't see anything. If you put your hand in there, you die. If you touch the, if you interact with the mouth, it's just got it's got a sphere of annihilation, and then you just die. You just die. <laughs> You just die. <laughs> it's full it of stuff like Dark that. Dark Souls D D. It's full of stuff like that, dude. It's so good. And uh yeah, my PC's got through it. No deaths. No deaths. It's disappointing. What? No deaths. Yeah. They, it, but it, it is it is poke everything with a ten foot pole. That's what they they were going pole, through yeah. every every time they'd step on any tile, they would always like touch it with a mm-hmm. with with like a they'd poke it with a with a ten foot pole to make sure it wasn't trapped. All sorts of stuff. But yeah. Didn't kill anyone, unfortunately. Yeesh. Well, those were that was before the days that I was really like, oh, you make one misstep, you don't. We're making death, we're making death saving throws in public, baby. Let's go. Um, but no, look, I like them. I think I think the dungeons are kind of cool. They're not like amazing, but I, I, I don't understand people complaining. I mean, magic players aren't complaining about anything, but mm-hmm. um, I think I think they're kind of cool. Yeah, I like them. So there's two more. There's a couple actually. Oh, God, there's quite a few things more things we want to talk. I about. I told you, man. I, Dennis is like, oh, I'll be fine. We don't. It, it, it won't take that long. It's like we've got well, another. There's a couple. Okay, so I want to talk about these alternate treatments that look like the old D and D books. Yeah, like Den of the Bugbear, Evolving Wilds, and stuff like that. Yep. I can't decide how I feel about them. Oh, dude, it's so hard. It's so hard because I like them because it's a cool idea and it looks sweet. Yep. I have never seen anything look less like a Magic the Gathering card. Wow! Did you not see the band poster ones? This looks even less like a Magic the Gathering card. You think so? I disagree. I, so. I disagree. Also, you can open a booster pack and it has one of these in it. I mean, that's true. It doesn't like it, it's probably the, the the least magic card looking magic card that's been in a booster pack. But nah, dude, like go and have a look at those secret layers that were like metal band posters or whatever, and they don't they're just not magic. Like they don't look anything like magic cards. Yeah, at you're all, right. Actually, right? yes, yeah, yeah. this is a similar level, <laughs> right? I don't like cosmetics very very much. I think that it's fine that they make cards like this for people who like them, right? You know, all the weird, like, alternate art styles and whatever else. Like, I, whatever. It doesn't really affect me, so people can have whatever they want. But this is the first time that I've looked at, like, an alternate art style for something like this and be like, ooh. You know. You want them? You want them? I don't know if I do. I don't think so. Like, I don't know what I like looking at them, but I don't know when I'd ever play them. I wouldn't put any of these in any of my decks. Like, I wouldn't mm. put... I play Evolving Wilds, in my, like, in my Commander decks. I wouldn't put this... I wouldn't put this version of Evolving Wilds into my four-color Commander deck. In my commander, like I think I might. I just wouldn't because I like all of the cards to look the same. All right. Next like, up, do I, But hang on, hang on. Like, do I want to own one? Yeah, I think you want to. Oh, you, know what you, you, you know what you should do? Go on. Buy the side of them because there's only, what, four of them? Five of them? No, there's, I thought... Really? No, there's going to be more. They probably just haven't released them all. I, I mean, yeah, we're only halfway through previous at the moment. They've I, only I think, released I think it's two. Just, I think it's just a series. I think it's going to be like just lands. But yeah, I think it's gonna be done, like a lance. It's probably gonna be like I, I like how they look. I just can't. I can't. Dude, get five of them. Frame them. Put them in a little frame together. Uh, maybe. I don't. Know. I, I. I honestly, I. I just can't decide how I feel about them because I don't like these cosmetics generally. I don't have a problem with them existing so much. Like it's there's kind of just not for you. Yeah, they not for me. But like I look at that evolving worlds. I'm like, that's kind of cool, man. That's kind of cool. And it, do you know what it means? That makes me think. What would that adventure be? An evolving wilds, right? Like a, an adventure for characters level one to four. All right, come around to my place on Sunday. We're starting the adventure, Evolving Wilds. What is that? Oh, a mysterious curse has taken this forest and all of a sudden it's you know starting to turn to a plane. There's mountains springing up. There's a, there's a swamp that's growing out of nowhere, right? These islands are popping up out of the sea, mm-hmm. you know? And they go around, they visit these things. They've got to like solve some, I don't know, it's some like nature-based, I don't know. It just immediately, it immediately inflames my like, the, the, the DM inside me that makes me want to like, Make this into an adventure. You know what I mean? See, I've never DM'd just a book campaign. I do. That's basically all I do. I don't write my own ones. I've only ever written my own ones. Oh, I'm busy, man. Must be nice to have them out of time. It's kind of stressful, though. I don't know. I might yeah. try just like picking up a book and just doing it. You should. You should. I've got a couple, man. You can borrow one if you want. Um, next one, a little disappointing. Ready for the most disappointing magic card I've ever seen in my entire life? That's a huge call, but I'm going to say this was a little bit disappointing for me. The Tarask, man. The Tarask. The Tarask. Nine mana, 10-10. Ten, ten. Yep. It gains, if it was cast, it gains haste and ward 10. Yep. And when it attacks, it fights. It fights a, a creature that the uh, the opponent controls. Now, 
for those of you who don't know, you might look at this and be like, oh, cool, it's like Godzilla. And it kind of is. It's like a, it's like a dinosaur-looking thing, kind of like a cross between a dinosaur and a spiky turtle. Um, and uh, it's like attacking a town, right? So it's big. But what you probably don't understand if you've never played D&D and you don't have any idea what this creature is, is that this is supposed this is the most powerful creature. Let me read on- you let me read you the description real quick, well, Riley. But hang on, hang on. Let, let, let's give him in a language they understand. Numbers, right? Mm. Every every monster in D&D has a challenge rating, which tells you yes. how hard it is, right? And I believe this has the highest challenge rating definitely in 3.5 and maybe even in 5th edition. This is supposed to be the actual end boss, really, of the monster manual. So, like, the way a challenge rating works is if there's something that's challenge rating 1, it means that four level 1 characters, it should be able to fight it basically no problem. Yep. Or, like, it should be a fair fight. It's a fair fight, yep. Yeah, which, which in D&D usually means they win relatively handily, to be honest. Yes, yeah. yeah. This has a challenge rating of 30. And most adventures, in fact, almost all of them, cap out at 20. Yes. So this requires godlike NPCs. Or godlike PCs, sorry. An attack from a Tarrasque is considered an apocalyptic event. Yes. The legendary Tarrasque is possibly the most dreaded monster of the material plane. It is widely believed that only one of these creatures exists, though no one can predict where and when it will strike. Why isn't it legendary, Riley? It is legendary. It is legendary? All right, they get points for that. Well done. <laughs> a scaly biped, the Tarrasque is 50 feet tall and 70 feet long, which mm-hmm. is much larger than it appears. Oh, actually, it looks about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, weighing hundreds of tons. It carries itself like a bird of prey, leaning forward using its like a T-Rex. A T-Rex, yeah. um, Its cavernous maw yawns wide enough open to swallow all but the largest creatures and so creates its hunger that it can devour the population of entire towns. Yes, yeah. it just wakes up, every, it wakes up every couple of hundred years, eats a couple of cities, goes back to sleep. That is not represented in this card. In a 10-10, sometimes it has haste in Ward 10. Yeah. Ward 10's a weird one. I think it's kind of cool. It's like you can fight it, you can kill it if you try. It's not just hexproof. You can kill it if you try really hard. I like that part. What I don't like mm. is the it fights target creature. Like it, it's like Coggler or whatever. Yeah. It comes in and like it, I guess it fights every time it attacks, but that's it kills one thing every time it attacks. I'm not into that, man. It's no. a 10-10? It should also do it in ETBs, honestly. What here's here's just my spitball take on what this card should be. Twelve mana, fifteen, fifteen, sixteen, mm-hmm. sixteen. Make it the biggest creature that Magic's ever seen, right? Make it a who cares how big, just arbitrarily large, indestructible. When it comes into play, it fights every other creature. It kills everything else, including your own stuff. Yeah, including your insatiable own stuff. hunger. It just comes in and eats everything. Right? And then they've got to do... And, and make it cost, like, I don't care how much. 12, 15, 14, 14 yeah. mana. It doesn't matter, right? This is the... So, like, the, the difference between 9 mana and 14 mana is kind of academic, right? Mm-hmm. And because there's going to see play at, like, the EDH tables or whatever else. It just doesn't... It does. This doesn't... Like, and then, you know, people, oh, but Natural Order can go and get it. Yeah, Natural Order can get Progenitus. Like, as... as long Just as ban it in Legacy. It's not what it's for anyway. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, who cares, right? It's... If you're worried about natural order, that I don't see that as that's like people saying, "Oh, but uh, you know, this Mulligan, the London Mulligan rule makes dredge too good in vintage." Like, oh no, you know, mm-hmm. this is it's just uh, this. I, I feel this is just not enough. I agree. No, nothing about this makes me go, "Whoa!" Yeah. when you cast it. No, I, when I saw because it, it, it's in Chinese, right? The the um the card when it came out, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, I can't wait to find out what this card does." Right, mm-hmm. and then I saw nine mana ten ten. I'm like, oh. Okay. There's got to be some serious text on gotta that. Got to be some serious text on that. And it's just not, right? Like, I don't know, man. I was hoping for a lot more. And I think in my in my view, Tarrasque really underdelivers. And I know, like, Gabby tweeted about this and, and Louise backed her up. Like, this is not enough. No, it's not. They could have done, they could have done more with this card. I'm sure, I, honestly, I'm sure this just got developmented down. I'm sure there were way bigger numbers on this card to begin with. But why did it get developmented down? Why? They've been burned too much by big But it's, there are so many safety valves. I don't know. I don't know. Dude. The other thing is, like, the, the, the Tarrasque is supposed to be unkillable. This one just dies, man. If you block it with an 11-11, it just dies. I mean, you can... You can if you block it with a 1-1 death touch, it dies to a snake bite, right? Well, it's a pretty poisonous snake, but yeah. But Why it, doesn't it have trample? Yeah. Yeah. But it's you know what? It, it, like, it's, supposed, it's supposed to be unkillable. When it dies, it should return to your hand. That's pretty crazy. But like, yeah, it should I, do like, so, like, I'm just not into this card, man. I'm just not into this card. 
I, I, I wish I were because the Tarrasque is like an iconic part of D&D and I like, no. Nah. Like my PC's fought a Tarrasque. It was great. Oh. It was it was terrific. It was it was a, an incredible, like climatic climactic fight. They're all level twenty. Did kind of juice the numbers a little bit to make sure they'd win. But you know, like it was it was huge. It was it felt like an end. And when they kill it, it just it just it just burrows underground again and falls asleep, right? Essentially, like it's unkillable. I think you need to like cast wish or something to kill it at the. I can't remember this years ago, but yeah, no, it, it's it, it's not good enough. Anyway, two more cards to talk about here, Dennis, and we may as well talk about them together because they're. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I mean, they're related thematically, but unfortunately, they didn't link these together, which is a shame, right? I wish. Okay, we'll, we'll talk. We'll get there. First one is Treasure Chest, and the second mm-hmm. one is Mimic. Mimic. Cards that are often confused with each other. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, in D&D, often confused with each other. So a Mimic, for those of you who don't know in D&D, it's a creature that can take, like, it's a shapeshifter, basically, and they classically take the shape of a Treasure Chest. The, the PCs go, rush towards the treasure chest, open, open it up it, to get the treasure, in. and then the Mimic, you know, starts to chomp on them. It's great, right? So this Mimic, it's a treasure. So it's a two mana and it's a treasure, which means that you can sacrifice it for a mana and you can pay two. And until the end of turn, it becomes a 3-3 uh, a creature. Mm-hmm. I love it. I wish there were more of a surprise element to it, but you can't really do that unless it's like morph. Yeah. So also there's two... The two cards here both have Scott Murphy art, and they're the inverse of each other. Like it's the same treasure chest on the same pedestal. Yes, they're just facing different, taken from different directions. Yep. And the mimic one has like the big purple lips and the teeth and, and the tongue and the teeth. Yeah, exactly. I kind of wish they were just the same art. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be very good. Very confusing. It'd be very confusing, but it'd be very good. Um, so the treasure chest, meanwhile, is three mana, and dude, for the first time. We're rolling dice. Blackboarded magic. Blackboarded cards. Roll a d20. Rolling dice. Four sacrifice. You pay four, sacrifice the treasure chest, and you roll a d20. On a one. Crit fail. You lose three life. Not that bad a fail. Let's be honest. No. Not that bad a fail. Uh, two to nine, create five treasure It's pretty bad to spend seven mana to lose three life. And a card. Five percent of the time. Yeah, it's pretty bad, though. It's not that bad, man. It's pretty debilitating it should, in magic. No, it should be worse. No. I You've rolled. No, you rolled a one. Right? What kind of what kind of lousy soft <laughs> DM is like? Oh, you lose three life. I was like, oh no, I'll drink a potion. Oh, have you got a cure minor wounds for me there? Yeah, no, mm. get out of town. If this were me as the DM, it would be ah uh, the the okay. So first of all, reflex saving throw. You fail. Okay, take four d six damage. Right. Second of Sacrif- all, sacrifice two lands. Not only is no no no. Not only is it trapped, it's cursed. <laughs> <laughs> You rolled a one, all right? You're going to pay for it. Anyway, two to nine, create five treasure tokens. Perfect. Treasure chest, full of treasure. Great, right? Well, it's just a refund, basically. Oh, it's not even a refund, actually, because you paid three and then you four. You paid three and then four, yeah. Actually, that's not that good. No. No, but, it's but not. You fa- two to nine, you failed. It's a D- There's basically a DC 10 check. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it was a kind of generous, but now you've said that, no. yeah, it's not. Um, 10 to 19, you gain three life, draw three cards. Great. You, you succeed the check. Nice. And a 20. Search your library for a card. If it's an artifact card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand and shuffle. You just tinker for free. Well, not for free. For four mana. I think a lot of the time you'd rather the 10 to 19 than the 20. I guess if you're playing treasure chest, you just put, you know, you put Something. a you put a Get dark, that blight steel. You, you put a blightsteel colossus in there just in case. Um, Such a sick card. It's sick. It's, it's, really so, it's so cool. How do we feel about RNG entering, like, blackboarded stuff like this? I mean... We have coin flips. How different are dice? We also have drawing, di- drawing cards off the top of the library every turn. That's RNG. Yeah. So coin uh, flips are, co- Coins are just D2s. Coins are just D2s. This is a D2 with a zero at the end. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. I know people are going to complain about it. I think it's really cool. I don't want to see magic flooded with cards like this. Mm-hmm. But this is like a bundle card as well. It's like a special printing. So I'm not too worried about it. I don't think it's going to be oppressive. I kind of honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I did overlook the four mana part. Yeah, that you pay to activate it. That's a lot. Like turn three, play this. Turn four, activate it. Roll a four, get five treasure tokens. Your friend's like, all right, attack you for six with like my creature I just played or whatever. That's why I'm like the one is a re- the one is like I played a card, I put seven mana into it to lose three life. But that but that's not the point, right? You put seven mana into it regardless of what you roll. I'm saying mm. the punishment for rolling a one should be higher. And if you ever play D&D with me and you roll a one, you better watch out because I'm coming for you. 
Sphere of Annihilation Gargoyle. Let's go. I love playing D&D swinging. Like, people, some people don't like it. I've had people, like, criticize D&D swinginess. Like, oh, you've always got a 5% chance to succeed everything you do. But I love that. That's what creates those moments, dude. When you have a, 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 a 20 that offers, like, incredible success and a 1 that even in the most, like, the, the most boring of tasks, it can fail miserably. I'm just trying to think about what we were talking about earlier, where you put the party in a portable hole and get a ranger to shoot it over a wall. Yeah. The ranger fails the check, like one, hits a one. Yeah. Can't find the arrow. It doesn't open. Has nine minutes to find his friends, but yeah. they suffocate to death in yeah. the hole. They, they're trying to shoot it over a wall. The arrow gets lodged at the top of the wall, right? Yeah, yeah, and you've yeah. got nine minutes with the with the gu- palace guards patrolling. They heard the arrow, so they're yeah. looking for it as well. They heard right? the whip, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what you get. That's what you get with Ride and RDMing Incorporated. That's right. That's a fun little scenario, actually. You roll a one, you best watch out because I'm coming for you. Anyway, um, I like this. I would have liked to see more with Mimic, but honestly, I can't, like, having thought about it, I don't know what else you could do. Because the whole idea with the Mimic is you think it's something that it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you capture that unless it's a morph card. Because, like, once you play the card out as Mimic, do you know what I mean? I mean, you could just make the one on the treasure chest Mimic. That would that would have been better. But Sacri- you- sa- sacrifice this because uh, like, you sacrifice the just activate activated. <gasps> your, your your opponent gets a three three. Your opponent gets a three three. Yeah, that that's what I would prefer. If you roll a one on the treasure chest, it's like it says trapped. It says mimic instead. It says mimic. Your opponent gets a three three creature. That would be that would be way better. But actually, when it comes to the card mimic, also you know the weird thing: the mimic is a treasure which you can sacrifice for mana. The treasure chest is not. <laughs> yes, that is. That's it weird. makes treasures. That's true. Sometimes. But the Mimic being a treasure is weird because it's not a treasure. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I like that they've put Mimic in. Let me say that. I think it's good that they put Mimic in because I think if, if it were lacking, like it's an iconic part of D&D, if it were lacking, I'd, uh, I think that'd be worse. I don't know how that this could have been improved upon, but I feel like it's not the best execution of the card, of, of, the, mm-hmm. of the idea of the trope. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? I think that's a reasonable. I'm not assessment. providing any alternatives for it. but like, We did. We, I, I wanted to put the Mimic as the crit fail. No, no, but for the card mimic itself. For the card mimic itself, yeah, okay. I want it to be a morph card. But then if it's the only morph card in the set, so people are going to be like, oh, well, I wonder what that is. What if it just makes, what if it just becomes a copy of our creature artifact, but it has death touch? What about, okay, so a mimic is something that messes with treasures. There are a lot of mm-hmm. treasures in this set. There's a lot of treasure generally in standard. That there's been a lot more treasure than than you mm-hmm. would have thought when it was introduced in Ixalan. Just a nice smoothing mechanic. What if it said something like, whenever your opponent activates an ability of a treasure token or of a treasure, do X, deal three damage. Way too niche. It's too niche. Yeah, it's cool though, because like, but it's a treasure itself. But it does something yeah. like to. It's like treasure hate. Yeah, yeah. It corrupts their treasures. Or there's like a chant. You flip a coin whenever they activate a treasure. And flip it, a coin. And I, if you if you win, deal five damage to them. Five's a lot, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe like one or two. But I don't know. If there are a lot of treasure, if if like treasure became a really big thing, that would be cool for a mimic to. Yeah, because like, like it means like, every time you go to crack a treasure, you're like, you're like Ugh. exactly. That's what I'm saying. Every time you go to treasure, it's like there's a chance that this this thing would be a mimic is going to kill me. You know. So I don't know. Anyway. I have to say, overall, very good. I agree. Like, so far, the stuff we've seen from D&D, um, I, I think we're going to do one of these again. I don't know if it'll be next week or the week after, but, like, there are going to be more cards that we're going to want to talk about. So, I think Dennis mm-hmm. and I are going to have another episode like this. Um, if you've got cards you want us to, to get across, please let us know. You can head to bit.ly slash join Riley's Discord and, and let us know the ones that you want to hear us, our takes on. But there's one final note, interesting thing that is in common for you and me, Dennis. Neither of us really care about the... Um, the legendary creatures no we don't play that kind of D. no tiamat xanathar meh like xanathar has a book it's pretty yeah cool. I, I know <laughs> i've got the xanathar's guide to everything you probably do too but like there's all these like characters from i, I read a, a, a bunch of the um rsl Victoria novels when i was younger so like it's cool seeing grizzit and stuff but like broad, for, broadly speaking i'm much more interested in the tropes than the characters mm. you know i'm much more interested in the you come to a river or you know the 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 cube the ooze the the classic D monsters and stuff that are and, and wish and all that sort of stuff that's much more resonant for me than the i just haven't played with those characters very much i don't know who they are yeah i, I have no reference i have no like um like Frambler. affection for those yeah i don't know who ebon ebon death is you know nothing yep yeah 
I don't know who this like. There's there's been one recently today. His name is like Oswald Fiddlebender. <laughs> what is that? Is that real? From Icewind Dale. Never heard of Oswald Fiddlebender. I think Mink, Minsk and Boo is coming as well. The guy with his hamster. Um, Oswald Fiddlebender. Yeah. Yeah. So that that doesn't really do much for me. Like the Black Staff of Waterdeep. Don't know what that is. I guess it's from like mm. it's from one of the one of the pre-written campaigns that I've never played. So, but look, I'm sure there are people out there who think that's really cool because that brings back yeah. memories for them, right? But then you know, I look at a card like uh, Fifty Feet of Rope, and I'm like, man, I've had some good time. I've had some good time with with pretend rope over the years playing D and D with my nerdy mates. What is this, man? I like Albert. Albert's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think an Albert. I think Albert is an appropriate. Least scary for what an Albert is. Five mana, four, four, draw a card. Trample? Yeah, trample. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's got creature type bird bear. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Albert is such a weird creature. I don't know why that's such a thing in, in D&D. It's so strange. Anyway. Uh, talking Albert's. Um, we're done. I feel, yeah, I feel it's disingenuous in Charles and River when we post this game talking about D&D. So. so that's fine. Well, it's fine too. I think it's fine. We can leave it there. Um, but Leah, let us know. I think we're going to do it. We'll either do it next week or the week after. But I think we're going to do another episode of these because there'll be there'll be more cards well, that we want to talk about. Plenty more, yeah. And um, yeah, I would say broadly speaking, very very good execution of the and, and resonance of, of 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 all the stuff from D and D. Pretty good. I think so too. Yep, love it. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Scrimey River. Thanks to Joachim Karad for the music. Thank you to uh, Channel Fireball for the money. And uh, <laughs> uh, I think that's just about that. I think that's it. Stay fresh, cheese bags. I don't believe that there's a dog in the school. There's a dog in the school today. All classes cancelled. There's a dog in the school. There's a dog in the school. Hooray.